Now, don't forget, we're doing a live client-only event in mid-October 2022. I'll be speaking. Ryan Griggs will be speaking. Dr. Paul Cleveland will be speaking. Our whole team will be there. You're going to have the opportunity to meet all of us, and you'll have the opportunity to meet other people, individuals that are practicing the infinite banking concept from all over the country. Iron sharpens iron, so you should be there. It'll be worth it. Look forward to meeting you. Look forward to seeing you. Be there. Be square. In this episode, my friend Paul Lizell joins me as we discuss the infinite banking concept and real estate investing. He's a successful real estate investor, has properties all over the country, and he understands what the infinite banking concept is and how it can be used in the real estate world. I had fun. I hope you enjoy listening. Thank you. Welcome to the Bank with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethering. And I'm always excited to have Gaston, you know, although he's not in the studio with us today, you know, he's in his fabulous world headquarters from Florida. My friend, Paul Lizell has agreed to share his time with us. And I'm excited for you, the listener, to be able to uh, have the opportunity to listen into a conversation. We've known each other for about uh, seven or eight years, I believe. Um, we met at a, at a real estate convention I was speaking or presenting at, and he was an attendee and He's uh, going to share with us his experience with the infinite banking concept and what he does in real estate, cryptocurrencies, and whatever else he does. So, Paul, thank you for you know coming on. How have you been? Oh, thanks for having me, James. I appreciate it. So, you know, I don't know your whole background. I just know that you uh, you're practicing the infinite banking concept. You're a good guy. You're you're uh, successful, and um, you know, you fill us in uh, your your kind of background. How you know, how we all the way from the beginning to how we're even sitting down here today. And I'm really interested in your thought process because I, in my opinion, you know, you adopted uh, the infinite banking concept pretty early compared to other real estate guys. I'm no disparagement, but y'all guys need to come on with it. Um, so you were early on and just take us through that and let us know what you're doing and how it's going and just share with us. Sure, sure. I'll start with when I started investing in real estate, which is going way back to December of 20, uh, 2001. So about 21 years ago now, I started investing in real estate. So I bought my first property, fix and flip. And at the time, you know, speaking to banks and everything, I was working for a small community bank at that time. I was uh, at that point, I was a business development officer. But before that, I was commercial loan underwriter. So I learned to underwrite these loans, mortgages, and all that kind of stuff. Then I became a, a loan officer after that. Then went to Citizens Bank, larger bank, for another three years. And basically, my whole idea was I was never going to stay in banking. Banking was not where I wanted to be, but it was a means to an end for me. So I started um, just basically stocking cash from these fix and flips that I was doing. And then in uh, 2004, it was around, I want to say earlier middle November of 2004, when I quit my job there, quit working for the bank and went full-time in real estate investing. What I needed to do psychologically, this was just for me, James, I needed to have 18 months worth of bill paying ability in my in my checking and savings account, right? Knowing that I had 18 months to be able to create, make more income, future above and beyond before, you know, before I was willing to go out on my own. So that's once I reached that 18 month goal, I cut loose went into it and you know, was doing fix and flips, went through that financial crisis in 2008. And this will lead into the whole infinite banking concept of why it's so important and why it's so powerful too, is what happened, as you know, during that financial crisis, 
all the banks froze, all credit lines. They cut everything, home equity line of credits, business line of credits. If you didn't have it fully used, you'd lost it, right? You lost all that ability. But for the people that had these policies, these insurance policies, you're able to tap into them and utilize them when they needed them. So I actually borrowed some money from other investors who I later found. I didn't know where they had it at the time. Later found out they had used it from their life insurance policy. Yes. No way. Well, you know, story. a couple of yes, I did not know that initially, but that's what I found out later. <laughs> so I started borrowing from them that, and I didn't really dig into or know anything until I met you. Know, I think it was James in the year 2014 or 2015 at a conference in Dallas, real estate investing conference. We met, we talked. I just I want to learn a little bit about it because I heard you speak there. And you gave me the in-depth. I'm like, all right, I got to do this. This is this is right up my alley. I got to take advantage of this. So that's kind of what got me started into the journey. Perfect. Well, look, you know why the uh, the banks closed the the uh, credit lines, limited the credit lines, and called notes and did all that in no way. No, no, tell me because they can, and they're not they're not taking the risk of loss. They're going to. They don't want to. Right, they don't right. want any risk. And th- that reminds me too, when you talk about banking and, and I didn't know you had a banking background, right? So you went from an underwriter to a loan salesman. That basically is, you know, yes. no disparagement, but that's what the vice presidents yeah. of banks do, right? Lending officers. Then uh, yep. I think there's three or four C's in the uh, banking industry. I can't remember the fourth one, but it's it's collateral, cash flow, and character. I can't remember what the other C in banking is, right? I'd be credit. <laughs> oh, yeah, credit. There you go. <laughs> yeah, the four C's of banking. Oh, that's interesting. And so I didn't know, uh, like I said, I didn't know your banking background. Yeah. And then here you are borrowing money because of the, the third-party lenders are tightening up their strings. Yes. And you borrow money from, you know, fellow real estate investors. Well, how, did, how and when did you find out where they were storing their capital to lend it to you? So I think I met him at one of these real estate investment meetings out in suburbs of Philadelphia, where I was living at the time, a dig meeting. And it's the biggest group in southeastern Pennsylvania. And I met a few private lenders. And that's when I got my first private lender loan. And that's the first person who told me that they utilized that. They also use their IRA, obviously. Yeah. They might even had a self-directed uh, uh, with a solo 401k type deal. So um, they use multiple sources that they've used um, to do that. And that's when I heard, first heard about it. I honestly, though, James, didn't know what it was still at that point, because we're going back in a 2009, 10, 11 time frame before I met you, a few years before I met you there. So that was all, still a whole new concept with me. I knew all about um, the IRAs and barring against your IRAs. And all that. But there's a lot of limitations with the IRAs, you know, a lot of government involvement where, as you explained to me, there's really not the government involvement in these life insurance policies that there are in the IRAs, the 401ks, you don't have those same limitations. You know, you can pull it out for any reason whatsoever where, you know, if I need to borrow from my 401k or my IRA, it's got to be for, for specific things such as like whether it's real estate or whether it's health or education, you know, that's pretty much what you're limited to. Yeah, and 50 grand or 50% of the value. Yeah, 50% of the value, which is the big key yeah. thing where like, you Life insurance is more than that, right from jump, you know, after you find that account and wait a little period of time, at least 30 days or so. Yeah, so you already got more than jump right there. And uh, the uh, loan request at a life insurance company is nothing more than a service form. 
right? It's right. a multi-purpose service for me. There's no place on there. Do they ask you what is the purpose or the intent of use? Nope. There's nothing. Here's the loan. This is the amount that I'll, I'm asking for and send it to me. The only thing that they really ask you, and it's a series of, you know, check of boxes. Do you want it a check or do you want it directly deposited? Yeah. I mean, it's so simple. I literally go online, get a form, make the loan, boom, and within you know four or five days, it's in my account. It's really quick and simple and easy. Yeah. And they are they the life insurance companies. Some are faster than others, but they're trying to get into the twenty sure. first century, right? So they're all of that can be done online. That's awesome. All right, so uh, that was a had to be a, a a moment, and you're like, oh, so this is a new entity that that these people are drawing from or against to lend money. So did you spend much time thinking about life insurance, that concept when you heard about it in Pennsylvania? You know, so I started to dig into it. You're right. Nelson, Nelson Nash's stuff. Um, so I started to dig into it. There wasn't at that time a ton of it on YouTube, right? You didn't have a whole lot of information on YouTube back then on that particular thing. I think there might've been a newsletter or two that talked about it and they called it the infinite banking concept, right? Which we've all heard about. Um, and might've called it something else too. So I heard about there, my grandmother showed it to me. Um, I read a little bit about it, but it wasn't really until I met you that I got a little bit more out I, I got basically, you know, if you equivalent, put the equivalent of cryptocurrencies, you get orange pilled by Bitcoin. You put, you gave me the red pill, right, on, on the life insurance policy. So <laughs> I, I totally understood it. When, I mean, you put it in plain, simple English. What's funny, though, because I tried to speak to a lot of investor friends of mine about this. For whatever reason, they can't wrap their heads around it. And I don't know why. It almost reminds me of, um, so my minor in college was economics. Finance was my major. Economics was my minor. And I remember being in economics classes, a bunch of like the higher end ones, like labor economics and some of these other ones, people were lost. And I just didn't understand why they were lost. And I guess it's a similar thing to that. I think they're just overthinking it yeah. is what it comes down to. Because yeah. if you're struggling in, in whether it's macroeconomics or micro, you're overthinking it and you're not looking. I mean, the concepts are pretty basic and simple. And this is really basic and simple to me. Yeah, it's, it's not but, complicated. And, they, and I think I see a lot of, I mean, and real estate investors are like anyone else. I mean, they may be more entrepreneurial or what have you, um, but they're we're all the same. Essentially, it's like. It seems to me that they have a hard time getting past the word life insurance, number one. Yeah. And then they have a hard time because they focus on the interest rates. You know, and every, in right. the financial world really wants to boil life insurance down to a premium and a death benefit. And then uh, the liquidity, the loss of liquidity in the early years, that that stymies uh, or hinders, you know, real estate investors and, and just, you know, across the board, no matter what. Uh, their background is yeah. Yeah, you gotta look at it. I totally, I totally understand. I agree with it, but you got to look at it like it. And it, I look at it in multiple ways. I want to look at it as a tool for me to borrow and grow my business. The other way I look at it, it's a retirement vehicle potentially for me too. Right. Cause I could take loans against this down the road that I don't pay back. So it depends how you look at it. I looked at it as a two thought concept. I talked to you a little bit about that back then. And how it can, and you explain how it could be used and how if you just don't pay it back, it's a loan that's not paid back, right? I mean, it's pretty So you just lower the value of your total payout of the, your death benefit, in essence, is what it is. But it just gives you such um, ease of use. Now, I'll give you a great example. So I used this on a property in, in the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania, East Stroudsburg. It was a property I picked up on auction 
I bought it for 40,000 and put 10,000 into it. So I was in it for $50,000, rented it for about a year and a half, maybe two years. And during that time, the market really increased. I ended up selling this property for $155,000. So what I ended up doing was obviously paying my loan back, but then that gave me money to pay the future paid up additions riders for the, for future years, right? So be able to stash some money into the future. Well, so you only had 10 in the deal, if I, unless I missed something. You only had 10 in that, right? I only had $10,000 in repairs into that property. That's correct. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, I got it. So 50000 in total. I pulled a total loan. was fifty k. Okay. I ended up making a net after paying commissions everything about one fifty yeah. on it. So fifty plus I had a hundred k, which I ended up paying. Like I said, future paid up additions riders. Plus I also used it for other projects too. So what that turned into was was phenomenal. So you see the power of its use and what you could do. Part of it was lucky with timing, right? Mm-hmm. When I bought in the market, it was down, and the market ended up skyrocketing. It's not always going. to happened but it was timing is pivotal obviously yeah uh, that had to just make you want to look for the next one to do one more oh, totally. more, right <laughs> yep. yeah i've got it in i've got a few different um, loans right now in both cryptos and real estate right now that i've utilized my policy for so i'm, I'm using i'm trying to use every dollar i can whenever i can <laughs> oh, yeah so what what do you do what do you do in the real estate world and then you know share with us what you do in the crypto world so two different worlds but what are you what are you doing so in the real estate world, um, I buy almost exclusively in online auctions. I do buy some from wholesalers and wholesalers are just people that um, get properties under contract and sell them to another buyer, whether it's uh, an investor or, or an end user. Um, so I, I do buy from them as well, but mostly online auctions. I bought in 44 of the 50 states, um, bought and sold. I have a 12 unit building in Casper, Wyoming, a five unit and three singles out there in Casper and Gillette, Wyoming. Um, sold all my rentals in Pennsylvania, shifting them down to um, Florida where I am. I have some in Dallas. And I'm looking to add some in Tennessee too. And then what we did was we opened up an educational. There was a lot of interest when I was on a lot of um, different podcasts from people who want to learn how to do what I'm doing. So we created an educational company. It's still fairly small, but it's growing. I think we've got like 49 students right now in totality. Um, but that still continues to grow. And we teach people how to do what we're doing now. And that's been fun. It's a lot of fun. Perfect. So, you uh, and I didn't know that. I think we spoke last week. I didn't even realize you had moved to Florida. You know, silly me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I got sick. I got sick, James, of writing a check to the state of Pennsylvania. I didn't need, I need to go to a state where there was zero income tax. That was one of it pushed my way for it for years. So last year, finally had a check, 20,000 to write the PA. I'm like, all right, it's time to move. Here's your choices, Wyoming, Florida, Texas, or Tennessee. Those were the zero income tax states that I targeted. And the only reason I chose Wyoming is because I have rentals there. And the real estate taxes are the cheapest anywhere I've seen in the country. And the cost of living is pretty affordable too. But it's super hard to fly in and out of there. It's very expensive. You got to either go to Denver or Salt Lake City and take a hopper up there. So it ends up being really difficult, real expensive. So then we started targeting either Dallas, Texas, where we were actually – Looking at last um, March, we were there. We actually made an offer on a property. And then I realized we're going to visit my dad in Naples a week or so later. So I told my wife, all right, let's hold off right now. Let's go look at Naples and see if that's an area we want to go. So we went there, visited um, for the second time and looked at some properties. I'm like, all right, yeah, this is where we're moving. She's like, why? 
Like, well, I decided I don't want to move twice. Why would we move twice? Because I'm not retiring in Dallas, Texas. That's not where I'm going to retire. I want to retire a place where there's water or beach, you know, so Florida is going to be it, even though we love Dallas. Dallas is great, great town, great people, great vibe, um, great for business, great for everything. Um, but Naples ended up winning out. Just not for retirement. I hear you. <laughs> exactly. I didn't want to move again. You know, we got four kids. Uh, one of them was going in freshman year of college. Now he's going to sophomore year. We had a junior in high school. We had a freshman in high school. Now they're a senior and, and a sophomore. And my daughter's now going into fourth grade. So we figured now's the time to go. Biggest reason that I, that I moved though, besides the income tax thing, I knew in the Northeast, they were going to lock down the schools again with COVID, you know, yeah. make these kids wear masks and go virtual again. And for my, my boys who are older, that's fine. They can deal with it. I still don't like it. But for my daughter going into third grade, that's not good. You're not learning right. There's too much goofing on going. They're not just not learning. So Florida always had schools open the whole time. And DeSantis done a good job down there. Abbott's done a great job down there in Texas too. But DeSantis is like, he kind of set the bar high. Yeah. Yeah. They can all <laughs> for, learn from DeSantis. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, totally. Abbott watched DeSantis and, and learned a lot from him for sure. I hope he doesn't capitulate, you know, hope he continues. Yes. Um, so I hope so too. Not good. Yeah. I don't want to lose him in Florida, but I think he'd make a pretty good president. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I mean, if we got to have one, you know, <laughs> that's right <laughs> if we got to have one that's the key right, right. there i love it all right and so <laughs> you're uh so you're 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 in the p- process of moving you know selling properties and then buying properties down in florida right, right. is that they're residentials is that what i heard earlier residential yeah. like i'll do some commercial because anything over five units or more falls into the commercial so I'll do that if there's good multi-unit opportunities, but Florida right now is still way too hot. So yeah. I've gotten some properties um, that I'm reselling because the market's so hot right now. Now I think I'm going to wait unless something really pops up. That's great. I'm going to wait till I buy in Florida. till things settle a little bit and I'll continue buying the other markets and keep adding in Wyoming, maybe keep adding in uh, Texas and in Tennessee for now. I got it. Well, that's kind of where I was going. You know, what kind of activity buying activity are you doing down there in Florida? Cause everybody I know that you know, right is selling. You know? Of course it's true. I mean, you look at it from when I Redfin has great data on real estate too. So if you actually just put your home address in Redfin and track it, it'll tell you what it's going up and down each month. And it'll tell you what, what it went for the years. The house we sold in Pennsylvania went up 11% over the year. Our house in Naples, 41% yeah. same year. Yeah. So we made the right choice there <laughs> temporarily. It's unrealized gains, you know, but still. Right. That, that, uh, that your uncle Joe Biden wants to tax you on, right? <laughs> he does. He wants to tax me on yeah. unrealized gains. <laughs> yeah. Give him time. Give him time. Oh, he'll try to work that. No doubt about yeah. it. So what else, what else are you doing? Um, not that that's not enough, you know. I mean, do you you get up every day and just look at the online auctions or, you know? We do that. I do that a lot. So, and, and obviously, we have coaching classes for our students. So, we train them on that. I do the podcast. I do daily videos on, on the YouTube channel, The Virtual Investor, that channel's called. And I'm into crypto, right? So, I started getting into crypto, start buying them in 2017, around May of 2017. That's when I first started buying Bitcoin. I first looked at it in 2013, but... Didn't know how to buy it, where to buy it. And I was knee deep in real estate at that point. I think I'd done like 134 deals that year. So, and that was just me being a solo entrepreneur at that point where I was, the, I was buying them 
and reselling them myself. I, in 2014, I hired a disposition manager. So now he handles all the sales for me. But, and now I just handled the acquisition. But now I've had students take over. A lot of my students that have been pretty good and successful have taken over as acquisition managers for me. So now I'm kind of backing myself out of that business, just focusing more on the crypto, uh, crypto side of stuff. And obviously, I'm, I'm probably splitting it uh, probably about 60, 40, 60% real estate, 40% cryptos right now as far as the educational side and as far as what I'm going on there. Crypto space changes so, so quick. Real estate's slow to change, as you know, uh, much slower than, than a crypto. Technology just moves so fast. So we, cr- we created an educational platform there. It's tiny. It's really small. And I'm going to continue to grow that one. But I'll tell you how I used um, a life insurance policy in 2020. It was, I think I pulled it out in March or April 2020 when the COVID lockdown hit. And Bitcoin had dropped down to 4840 which meant it was cheaper to purchase Bitcoin on Coinbase than it was for miners to mine it with their computer. So I'm like, all right, it's not going to be cheaper to do this again. I, I told my wife, I'm like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy more Bitcoin. She's like, are you sure? Like, yeah, I totally, it's the future. She's like, all right, if you think so. So I pulled a $25,000 loan out of uh, life insurance policy, bought five Bitcoin. And then later that year, end of 2020, I think it went up to 30 grand. So I did really good on that investment too. Did, that one turned out really, really did well. Did you sell it so, at 30 grand or did you keep it? I, I did not sell in 2020. I did not transfer, do anything until 2021. So I was just a hodler. I didn't, I did not sell one crypto that I bought from 2017. That first crypto I sold was 2021. So I, I was a hodler, what they call a hodler, which is hold on for dear life. Hodler. <laughs> that was somebody who just bought and, and held. <laughs> Funny story. If somebody wants to go on YouTube, that the term hodl came out because of a combination of a guy missing his girlfriend and drinking too much bourbon. So he was a trader He w- and he was trading cryptos. And he was he was hammered on bourbon and trying to make a trade. He screwed it up, didn't do it. He goes, "Oh, I missed a trade. I guess I got a hodl." And he met, "Hold on." <laughs> so that went viral. <laughs> oh my gosh, never heard of it. I love it. It's really fun. There's somebody interviewed him. It's like an hour plus of him getting interviewed talking about that story. It's really really funny. So the term hodl, H O D L, came about because of that. And I am mostly a hodler. I buy to hold because I'm mostly looking at cryptos with like a five to seven year time frame for the most part. Uh, for the ones that I do invest in, because I wait and be careful though, because there's a lot of bad cryptos out there. <laughs> and just like the dot com, if you remember the whole dot com era when that went belly up, right? When that went boom, that 80% probably went away. Only your Googles, your Facebooks, your Amazons, your good companies hung around and most of them went away. So that's going to be the case with cryptos here too, is they've been hammered from, I think it was November 21st was Bitcoin's high of around 69,100. It dropped down to 18,000 about a week or so ago, a week or two ago. So if Bitcoin does these crazy corrections, um, about 70 to 80% corrections. So when it hits that area, that 70, 80% drop down from its all time high, it's generally a good time for somebody to dollar cost average in and start buying. It may go down a little bit more still from where it is. And it's recovered a little over 22 right now, but it could drop. I could see it dropping down. It was low as 12, but probably more likely of 14 to 17,000. 
and it'll be there quick and it'll shoot right back up. It won't stay there long. Well, you know, I think I'm a hodler. <laughs> I didn't know that until today, you know, but so look, as uh, like, like the, the real estate market, look, the banker can do anything they want. I get that, yeah. right? And if you're doing 134 deals, you know, in real estate seven or eight years ago, I mean, you're working. Yeah. So it was a ton. Yeah, I've made it to where I do like 60 to 80 per year now, which is way more easy to manage. And then focus on the good ones. Don't go after every deal. Just try to focus on the low-lying fruit as much as possible. Sounds to me like you're getting lazy in your old age, sir. I mean, That's this- right. As you get older, <laughs> try to get lazier and smarter. Or comfortable, so, really. <laughs> and so like, you go from 130 down to 60 and then hire people to handle those. I like it. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it, it, and then it sounds to me like you're hanging out on the beach. I mean, I don't know, but... I'm trying to as much as I can. I, if it was up to me, I'd be at the beach, you know, four or five days a week. But I only get to go. I used to do once or twice, so oh, yeah. which is great. So uh, sixty forty, you know, splitting your time between the two, real estate yeah. all over the country because uh, Florida is too hot right now, and forty uh, percent to crypto, right? But then you know you've got help. I like that. You know, you're just leveraging right your your yes. time and your knowledge. Um, other people doing the the acquisition, or right, or or you're doing yes. the acquisition. They are as much as I can. I'm pushing as much off my plate and onto their plate as much as possible. And it's a learning curve for them. So they're learning the whole process of what goes on here. Because it's more than just getting a property, winning the bid, right? And you got to get the part, you got to send earnest money deposit in. Then you got to get all the contracted paperwork done, right? Get it over to the title company. And if it's in the HOA, or condo, you got to you got to get all those association docs. I'm dealing with that right now on two different properties. I have just getting all the HOA docs, and one of them happens to have two HOAs attached to one community. I have no idea why, but has two of them attached to one community. So we got to get all those things, all those ducks in a row, so we can close on the 29th of July here. So that's a part of the time. Like that's the stuff I eventually want to get fully away from and have other people just handling that, where I can sit back and just kind of look. Look at the numbers coming in, decide what markets to go into, which ones to steer clear of, and where it looks like the future trends are taking us. Right. So, and then and then doing the education, and then doing the digital or the social or the online yeah. work that you're doing. I mean, do you do you put that? You know, the online, the uh, real estate courses and education, the mentorship, and you know, uh, the uh, podcast. Do you put that in the sixty percent of the time in real estate? Yes, in the real estate. Yeah, because that's largely what it's falling into right now. The 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 amount of time on on that kind of stuff with cryptos is is very minimal right now. It'll eventually grow, but right now it's more minimal. It's more focused on the real estate side. I got it. All right, so share with us some good deals. You know, like the 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 one you did on crypto. Share with us some, if you will. You know, to what extent you will. You know, on the real estate. What have you done with the uh, life insurance loans? In real estate, you know, is there any other deals? I mean, that one was, you know, 150,000 on a deal was, I don't, the time period, I think was, you said a year, year and a half. I mean. Uh, Yeah, year and a half or so. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a pretty good deal. I mean. um, That's a good one. So I got one right now that is, is a lot that we bought in Naples, Florida for a little over 21,000. So I pulled a loan out for that, purchased that. And we're, we, uh, I partnered with a guy on this. So we're jointly doing this, but we're listing it to sell it for 99. We'll probably sell it for 90 or so. And 
yeah, I'll, we'll split those profits. Basically, what I end up doing, my whole objective with this one is just to fund another mine and my wife's life insurance policy again with the, the paid up additions riders. Just keep funding those with the profits on that. So that way I don't have to worry about it coming out of like the regular everyday income that's coming in just from these separate sources. A lot of times I'll earmark it, utilize it for that. Another thing I used it for was that 12 unit building in Casper, Wyoming. So I did pull out a larger loan on that one because that was a purchase of $430,000 and we put about $400,000 into this property and it'll probably appraise for somewhere around a million and a half or so, somewhere between 1.3 and 1.5. And I'm going to refinance it, pull that uh, cash back out of it, pay my private lenders back who I borrowed money from on that, pay my life insurance policy back. And then hopefully put a couple of dollars in my pocket and earn, you know, hopefully monthly income, nice steady monthly income from that. Yeah, I like it. There's a couple examples. Yeah, I've done a couple of these smaller deals, like these $25,000, $50,000 deals for life insurance policies. And say, for example, one of them that we bought in um, Amarillo, Texas, not too well, that's probably a few hour ride for you, probably five or six hours from where you are. Yep, five and a half, six. Um, up there in a yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a long ride. So, one of them that picked up for 47 will probably sell for around 75. Pretty good return again on that one. Um, so you could just do these deals endlessly with it. Then I'll just pay the loan back, right? And then just do it again, rinse and repeat, just buy another property with it. Now I'm using my own money instead of having to go out to borrow from a private lender or from Kiavi, which is another real estate lender insurance or lending one or Lima one capital or some of these other resources. I try to use the life insurance funds first. So one, it's way cheaper, right? Than when I'm paying for these other things and I'm utilizing the fund. I want to utilize that. The whole purpose of this is to use for these things, right? And crypto too. So I'm using it for cryptos too. I'm using it the dollar cost average in Bitcoin right now and a few of my other favorite ones. I got you. I got you. And so it sounds to me like you're you're uh, living the dream down there in Florida, beautiful state, great governor, if you got to have one. And then you just, <laughs> you're looking at the deals as, you know, whatever method that, that, that you've created and refined. I mean, you're sticking to that and then, um, you know, offsetting some of your responsibilities and authority to others. And, you know, it's like, dang, it sounds like you're already retired. <laughs> Try, trying to semi-retiring trying to now that i did forget one is we did a funded a student deal recently too with that so i'm charging the student um i think 12 percent interest at one point on that and i think my loan is around roughly five percent or so so i get a nice little spread there so you can utilize these if you just want to become a private lender if you want to lend uh, money to somebody like me or another real estate investor out there somebody getting into business you can utilize it for that, right? Create your loan paperwork, get it set up. You can get paid monthly payments, start paying your insurance policy back with those monthly payments. And you just create that spread there. So there's a million different ways to skin a cat with these things. It's literally like just using it for your own bank, right? It's your own bank that you have. So was, did it help or hinder you with your background in finance and economics? Oh, it helped huge, right? Just because it had some kind of a basic understanding. And back in the day, I actually had my life insurance policy when I was working for the bank because I got um, licensed and insured on life insurance and, and Series 6 and 63 license okay. as well. So I did have 
a base understanding of life insurance policies. I understood the whole life policy, you know, the term and the different kinds. There's a million of them out there in hybrids and stuff, as you know. Um, so I did have a, a background in that. And of course, the finance background and banking background, that all did help. And even back, what really helped me in real estate as much as anything was I used to work contracting work for my uncle from junior high all through college. So it gave me understanding of electrical, plumbing, painting, framing. We did additions. We did many, many roofs. I don't like doing roofs, but if I did many of them, siding, windows, doors, everything. So I, it, it did give me a nice base of knowledge to understand what a whole rehab is about, right? How to fix foundational issues where people, if there's foundation issues, a lot of investors run from them. If it's near where, if, if it's local to me, I don't mind them. If it's in another state where I can't see it and do anything about it, I won't do foundation issue stuff. But if it's local, I'll do it. But gotcha. um, that is one that'll scare off a lot of investors, but you can get great deals. Yeah, <clears throat> I got you. I, di- I didn't realize that you had the uh, insurance license, the securities license at the bank. So you had already, yeah. you were already able to move way past the word life insurance. Whenever yeah. you're introducing the infinite banking concept, yeah, and going back to it does give you it does give you a big advantage, you know, James. With that, when yeah. you take those courses, you understand them, you know, know what each different type of policy is. But I didn't know the use case. I, they don't teach you how to use them like this, right? They don't talk about anything like that in those classes. So that was foreign to me. From that, I had to get over that part. That was my biggest hurdle. I needed to get over for sure. I got it. Well, it looks like you've done a good job. And going back to your roofing days, did you ever do wood yeah. shingle houses? Yes, I did. I did cedar shingle. Yeah. And man, that, they're, they're slow. They take a long time. They're beautiful. Yeah. Um, but it's a process because you're you're breaking pieces. So the seams never, you know, they're always staggered. <laughs> it's just slow, but it's beautiful. And they last a long time. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, I did a lot of remodeling. I mean, and, and I was a roofer's helper and, you know, lugging those bundles up on those really steep pitched roofs and, you know, yeah. just brought no fun. No, <laughs> that much closer to the sun, you know, from, uh-huh. uh, and that angle, yeah. you're feeling it. You are, you are just literally taking water bottles, of water, just dumping on it, especially where you were doing it in Texas. Yeah. It was hot enough in Pennsylvania. Texas is way hotter. Yeah, yeah. Those are days I don't miss. And I'm a land guy. I like my feet on the land. Yeah. Right. So me too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know what the, you know I don't know who listens to this uh, other than they're really cool people. You know, and I can't imagine how many connections you have and how many people, you know, listen to your work. But if they're into real estate, whether they're brand new, you have some resources for them, some some coaching, some education content. And if they're, uh, you know, further along in the real estate and don't know about the infinite banking concept, and, and I don't know anything about crypto other than it's really volatile. I think that, you know, it's a, it's a stepping stone to get the population to accept cashless currency my opinion correct and so i'm a hodler which i just found out today Um, (laughs) but my point here is paul that uh you know no matter where you're at in real estate i think education is the key you know you've got to work with people that uh resonate with you and so if you have resources available i mean we'll put them in the notes below and the links below and you know, if you make some connections, it's great. They're only going to learn something if they make an effort, right? Absolutely. You know, yeah, there's a lot, 
lot of the our students, believe our, our most successful students are people who did direct mail back in the day, you know, send out postcards yeah. to homeowners and maybe did a couple deals here or there, but didn't like it because they didn't like being married to their phone, had to answer it every time it rings or um, have to deal with the hassle, happen to have an acquisition manager and somebody else to pay. And they stumbled upon like our concept with what we do is where we don't ever have an acquisition manager if we don't want to. You want to just sit, if I just wanted to sit there and do 15, 20 deals a year um, at, from my house, I could do that and live a good, comfortable life and just sit there and bid on auctions, you know, do the analysis there, buy them, either make a couple of repairs or just try to sell them as is. It's, it's easy enough concept to do, but the beauty of it is you don't have to get into marketing and sending out postcards, spending three or ten thousand dollars a month on direct mail, or do pay per click and all that kind of stuff. It's just your time you're utilizing. So, I got you. and if they're going to go into, I don't care what people are doing, they should be accumulating capital that they control. And uh, yeah. and I think the best place to do that is within properly structured life insurance policies with. You know, a mutual company, and there's probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 mutual companies across the country that you could do this with. But when you go through the vetting process of a life insurance company that you can practice the infinite banking concept with and check all the boxes, we really get down to a handful of life insurance companies, you know, and I'm not going to mention their names, but, you know, I know you own two different ones, and that's really about all I'll say to your personal business other than i don't know you may you may with all those deals you're doing you may want to increase your premiums i'm just saying yeah you know that is something i'm thinking about james i'm definitely thinking about adding more for sure and i'm sure i'm going to in the very short term but the listener really should take the opportunity to to vet this idea of the infinite banking concept whether or not it makes sense to you you know and it should in my opinion make sense to everyone to control the banking function because you're in my opinion, I don't care what you're doing, but especially in real estate, if you can control the banking function, you're there's that much further ahead. You yeah. know, at any time, the, all of these notes are callable, and I understand that non-recourse loans are available, but most people in the real estate world don't own them, all right? Yes. And so anytime the bank can change hands, they can go through and reshuffle their their loan portfolio, they can reclassify their loan portfolio. Oh, that was an A loan. We're going to make it a C loan. Oh, that's C loan or B loans, a D loan. And we're going to call them, you know, notes are callable. And so control is uh, probably one of the most important things we can do. And then not only while we're controlling things, our cash flow, where our money resides, you know, we might as well control the leverage if we're in real estate and we absolutely should consider controlling the banking function and if we don't so so banking is like nelson says right banking is it's the oldest profession in the world because somebody financed that first profession that is normally called the oldest profession in the world so (laughs) banking is and if you abdicate your responsibility of controlling that banking function it still exists because banking is and someone else is going to perform the banking function and they're going to profit from it and that's ultimately what we're forfeiting or bypassing or giving away when we don't become our own bankers. Right. So totally the control, like you said, James, most important thing. Let me give you an example for, as from a real estate investor standpoint here, just recently, because you know, the market's changing, everything's shifting, interest rates have shot up. They more than doubled this year or had doubled at one point, which has never happened in the history of the United States. It's never in the same calendar. You're doubled interest rates for mortgages. So with that, 
um, these lenders that we go to were pulling back. So there's a few different properties I was going to get financing on. And originally they just required a BPO and a BPO was just a broker's price opinion, cost a couple hundred dollars to do. So I spent $600 for these three different properties to get that done. And then they email me a week later saying, Hey, we can't do those BPOs anymore. Our lenders are pulling back because of market conditions. They're afraid of recession. They now want an appraisal and appraisal is going to be $600 per. I'm like, what happens to my BPO? I just paid 200 bucks for it. Sorry. You're going to have to eat that and just get it. So this is what we talk about, like having a power within your hands. This is why you don't want to be relying on um, the banks. And this is why I'm trying to make as many relationships too with private lenders, people who want to lend money out against the real estate here and just get a mortgage position here for the short term while we're holding them to refinance them. So that's why it's important to have these policies so you can control that. So you can utilize your own funds and do it and, it's just it's losing that control of the money is the biggest thing and you hit the nail on the head when you said that james yeah. hit the nail on the head big time with that thanks and then too you know most real estate investors i've learned and seen and experienced over the years they rarely ever value their own time effort and energy you know they, yeah. they strictly focus on and i get it you know you're trying to make the deal and try to be profitable and not go backwards you know i get that but uh, most people in and especially real estate investors, they under they don't even value their time. You know, they they don't put that value of their time anywhere in the deal. Now, in a situation like yours where you're teaching people, that's something different. Then you know, obviously, they see the value of your time. You see the value of your time. And um, but you didn't start out that way, you know. Or no. you know, you started out. You didn't even think about that. But um, and I, but and my point here is, it's important that you know when you're looking at life insurance, you're typically looking at life insurance illustrations, and then the real estate investors almost always focus on the rate of return, you know, the interest rate or the dividend yeah. scale or the guaranteed increase in cash value or however it's presented, you know, and that's only part of the a function of a life insurance par- policy, and it's only a very small part of the deal that you're going to go do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You're going to be doing this deal anyway. Why not fund it yourself if you can? Yeah. I mean, just it's simple. It was simple setting up a budget for me for what I could afford for at that point when I created this policy. And now that I can afford more, I think, you, like you said, it makes sense. Maybe do another policy too, right? Yeah. Another whole other policy here coming up against. And I did policies on my kids. And the reason I got oh, yeah. policies for my kids is because twofold, right? Back in the day, I'm, I'm I've really become anti-college, even though I'm a college grad myself, because these professors just, you're not getting your value, right? When I went there and graduated Drexel, it was eighteen dollars or $20,000 a year. Now it's $76,000 a year. That's unaffordable. Kids are coming out with mortgage payments and you can't bankrupt it or get rid of it. So I'm not a fan of it. I don't think you need college education anymore. You can come out at high school. Like my middle son gets it. He's going to go to trade school next year and go into HVAC, which would be great. It'll be printing money because there's a, such a shortage of contractors yeah. and, you know, whether it's electricians, uh, plumbers or HVAC guys. But I was talking to my electrician. This is actually a really good point that I never thought about. He was pushing my son to HVAC. I'm like, why? And he goes, because electricians, all the new electric, all the stuff we put in now last 50 years. So I'm doing a job and I'm doing it once. Yeah. There is no repetitive, there's no repeat, right? And I'm not going to get repeat business here. Every once in a while, uh, a fixture will go bad and I'll come out and replace that. But HVAC, those things have really short life cycles, especially in Florida where the air conditioning is constantly going. <laughs> it's like that is, those guys are printing money, 
right? <laughs> so it's a great me. point. <laughs> now, the uh, trade schools are up 35% this past year. They're up 35% from their normal enrollment. So people are starting to get it and getting away from the college, the overpriced college. Just this blows my mind, James, that you can bankrupt a hospital, which actually helps people, but you can't bankrupt the college, which doesn't really educate you. You can call it education, but it's really more indoctrination. And yeah, you get some basics. You learn how to deal with life. You can pledge a fraternity or sorority or whatever, and you're going to learn. You're going to learn a lot there. But it's unnecessary. It's totally unnecessary anymore. And I'm hoping that we're going by the wayside here with colleges. I don't mean to go on an anti-college rant, but it's ticked me off. I'm paying fifty-six grand a year for my oldest son right now, and I think he's just going to end up coming working for me in four years down the road. So Listen, did he really need it? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate you sharing this. I have, uh, you know, my views and my opinions as well, you know, and it's on purpose that you can't bankrupt those, right? It's on purpose. Yes. And then, yeah. you know, you talk about these, these, uh, the student loans, you know, the, the, I see solutions in people's minds. It's like, well, I'm going to defer it for 20 years and then, then they'll write it off. Right. Oh, okay. So that's the solution. You're going to let the government control your solution. And, and, and so you're going to pay interest on that whole 20 years. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then if they don't change their mind and when do they never change their mind? Right. <laughs> yeah. Then, then you're going to let it go. I mean, that may not be the best solution. And I see dentists and doctors. I mean, they graduate with three, four, two hundred. I've I've seen an eight hundred thousand dollar student loan on a dentist a couple of years yeah. ago. Now I'm sure him and his wife or future wife are living like they were already dentists while they were going to school or whatever their situation was. But that's ridiculous, you know. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And then um, I was talking to a young man the other day. And he's out in, in the Timberland, I think, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, somewhere around there. And uh, we were having a conversation. He was a client for a couple of years. And I should probably get him on as a guest because um, sometimes they tell their story better than I can. You know what I mean? Because it was true. theirs. But uh, he's like, James, well, you know, I work around these guys that are educated and they, they're educated in economics and finance and and, and I don't know what his education level is, but he's out in the field. They work him like a government mule, you know, and uh, he's like kind of felt less than. And I'm like, listen, man, that's between your ears. He's saying, well, these guys, you know, his, his coworkers, what have you, um, have degrees in, in, in economics and finance, but they always seem to be short of money. Right. Yeah. Here, this guy's out here working and, uh, you know, he's buying Raw land, whether the timber's on there or the timber's already been harvested, financing it and selling it. And he told me this one deal, and uh, I loved it. He bought some land that a timber harvester, an investor, had already bought the land, harvested the timber, and he needed to sell that property to buy the next deal, right? <laughs> Nothing new in real estate, right? Nope. So he buys it, and uh, and then he goes and he finances, and he financed part of that deal from his life insurance policy loans and then he finances a bulldozer, right? Strictly from his policy loans. He improves the property, Paul. He like puts a road in there from a gravel pit that's already on the road and, you know, a couple of gates on the property, whatever, holds it for a year and makes a tremendous amount of return, probably a greater annual return than the guys that he works with earn in a year that have the financing degrees. And, and here's just, you know, somebody that's willing to get it done, doing things that they already yeah. know something about, and then they have access to capital. Man, it, it it is the antithesis of what we have going on in the in the financial world today. 
So sure is. It is just yeah, it sure is. That's awesome. That's a that's a tremendous story. It's an example of somebody just going out and doing it, right? It's really what you just go out and do it. And then he tells me, James, I'm gonna sell the bulldozer and make ten grand on that. That's right, because the mark went up on that too. Right. Whatever. God bless him. It's well, great. I, I think he's uh got some mechanic abilities and he you know, he bought the bulldozer. It needed some work, so he did the work, used it, made a profit on the property, and then make a profit on that. I mean, but that—that's what it's all about. It's what's next. Is it the next? What? What is next? What's the next thing you're going to finance? You know. Yeah. So. And you always need something to finance, right? Whether it's real estate or a vehicle, right? If you're going to buy your own car, buy a new car. Why not just finance it with this? Yeah. Same deal, right? Same concept, or like he did a piece of uh, equipment. You know, it's, you can finance anything with it, lawnmower or whatever. (laughs) And you're going to finance everything you purchase, period. You're either going to pay cash, give up interest you could have otherwise earned, or you're going to pay the third-party lender, whomever they are, interest, period. Mm -hmm. No exceptions, you know. None. No, that's why it's must-have. Yeah, that's perfect. So I say uh, often, privately, as I'm speaking to my clients and prospective clients that that are interested in real estate, I encourage them to find a local real estate group. In in most towns, there are many or several to choose from. If you're way out in the country, you can, you know, drive to the nearest town, find one online. Um, do you participate in real estate groups? Do. So I'm in a real estate mastermind group that's at a Dallas, Texas, Texas investor fuel. We meet twice a year there. We're actually going to Nashville in uh, early August and then one's usually in Scottsdale, Arizona. So it's a quarterly one. The other one is called Family Mastermind. It's another good one. And that one is a lot of people who have podcasts or um, have educational platforms and are selling their, their products. Um, so that, those are two great ones. Plus, I also am involved like Dig, which is the old uh, group up in Philadelphia. Um, I still have a lot of friends up there. And I have not gotten involved in any in, in Southwest Florida yet, but I will. Because look, you can just go on a meetup. They'll, they'll meet virtually. They'll do Zoom meetings. You can go to a live event. They have live events. They also have the Zoom meetings if you can't make them. So there, there's, I mean, it's very, very easy. If you want to catch up and meet up with other real estate investors or crypto people or somebody who's just doing basket weaving, you can, and meet up, you can get with any of these people in any of these groups. Yeah. So you participate in the groups that you're members of. You speak there and attend there, however you do that. Whether, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you were in town in Philadelphia, you'd probably go personally, wouldn't you? Just see your old friends. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love going personally. I love going to the events. It's way better. That's where you're networking. That's where you're, that's where the magic really happens for sure. Right. And there's always a meeting after the meeting, you know, you go to the meeting and there always is yeah. they have meetings and then they have subgroup meetings. Yeah. So their subgroup meetings usually meet in between the once a month meeting. So those are great. And those are better. Those subgroup meetings are better just because, you know, it's a smaller group of people it ends up being tighter knit. You end up having better relationships and more bonds with, with those people than the ones in the, uh, the primary where people are living all over the place. Yeah. Well, perfect. We're going on about 45, 50 minutes. Is there um, anything you'd like to share or say or in closing, Paul? It just, you know, I, until I met you, I didn't really know enough about the power of these policies and stuff. And you heard about them. I heard about politicians like Mitt Romney, Barack Obama, and others having these policies that were kind of like outside the system. And the way you can utilize these things, just how simple they are to set up, how um, easy it is to be able to borrow against them, pay them back, 
um, create more if you need more. You can create ones just for a certain purpose if you wanted to. Just the easy use of these things is, is the greatest. It's the best, most unknown thing out there, right? I, I don't know why they're not marketed more, and it must be a reason why they're not marketed more, but um, they are far and away the greatest products out there, and I use it all the time for my businesses, right? Now, if I start another business, if I if I have some venture that I want to do down the road where I'm having some kind of storefront or whatever, I will borrow against it for that, do the same thing, you know? I'd much rather have my own funds available than have to go to the bank and constantly fill out this loan application. Think about when you go to a car dealership, we're actually going to buy my oldest son uh, a new car because we want him to have an SUV so he can bring all this stuff back and forth to college. So rather than they're like, oh, you, our rates are great right now. I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to spend two or three hours sitting there filling out this application, waiting for to go through this process, waiting for the documents to go through where I could just write a check and give you the cash and be done with it right now. Like my time, you talked about before time, time is your most valuable asset. And it it's allowing me to buy time, but not have to get a bank loan on this here. So super valuable. Love these. I, I love the life insurance policies, the power of it. And I wish more people had them and utilized them and, you know, take advantage of them like I do. Yeah, <clears throat> Me too. I'm doing my part. I'm trying to, that's all I talk about. They like the dark. Well, you're one of the few ones out there, James, too, with on a bullhorn really out there that has a, a channel, has a podcast that talks about it. And I watch a lot of yours. I watch a lot of your podcast just because I don't never know what I'm going to learn, what I'm going to pick up from it from somebody you're talking to. Well, so I think they're hugely valuable. Keep doing them because you'll eventually pull more and more people like myself into them. And I've tried to push other people to your podcast and I, I'll continue to do the same. Well, thank you. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate the kind words and uh, I'm going to keep doing them, you know, until something changes and I don't know what that something <laughs> is. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe I'll be like you and, and uh, hire more people to give authority and responsibility to and uh, probably not going to move to Florida, but I have a nice pool in the backyard. You know, that's the next best thing. Yeah. right? <laughs> oh yeah pools are great you just kick it up on the, on the chair and just sit there and enjoy the pool yeah you know actually my wife we bought a property uh a couple of years ago you know we've been in there about a year and and uh so that was i guess we started looking at it two years ago in the pandemic you know everybody got afraid to purchase and this thing sit on the market a long time. I don't really know why other than people were afraid to purchase it or whatever. But at that time too, we were thinking, cause my girls, my wife, my daughter, they love Florida, right? All the beaches. And so I'm thinking, you know, we should buy a property, a second home down there in uh, Florida and rent it out for a vacation rental and have somebody manage it and do all that. And, and I'm so glad we didn't do that. You know, I'd, I'd rather go down there and rent something for a week or two weeks or whatever. Um, now I should I'm say I, I say I'm so glad I shouldn't have done that. If I'd have done that, I'd probably be selling it right now. Yeah, you would be. You'd be selling for a nice profit right now. <laughs> so maybe I should have done it, but I'm sure not going to buy right, one now. It's a hassle, right? That's a whole other business. Unless you give it to somebody to just manage a run for you, but it's never going to be managed to run as well as it would be if you did it. So. Yeah, it is like, and I think about this all the time too. I'd love to have a place out in, in Rocky Mountains for skiing. If a deal comes along, I will do it. Don't get me wrong. But otherwise, I'll just do an Airbnb and just rent for the time I'm there and just budget for that because it's simple. It's, and then you can change, right? You can change locations. Maybe you guys want to go to Fort Lauderdale one time. Maybe you guys want to go to Naples or Clearwater. You know, you want to go look at different beaches. So, best way to do it, just Airbnb it, go rent and 
forget about it. That's what we decided. (laughs) (laughs) It works. All right, Paul, listen, this, I've uh, had fun, very enjoyable speaking with you. Thank you for taking the time and coming on and, you know, maybe we can do it again in the future. Okay. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It was fun. I enjoyed it. You're welcome. Look, have the best, uh, nice rest of your day. Okay. You as well. Thanks, Paul. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.